Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So we'll start with it with an image, and and you can close your eyes a bit. Too noisy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll just share a sweet image because I, I think that um, nature is a great teacher, a very simple great teacher. Uh, thank goodness we have this beautiful teacher, and hopefully we'll all care for this beautiful teacher. So um, about the second day I was there, um, I got into the ocean, and um, the water is nice and warm there, and clear and clean, very beautiful. And uh, I really wanted to swim, to 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 swim, and uh, um, but um, I'm just from a city girl, from New York, from Brooklyn, and uh, I never swam in the ocean in Brooklyn. Um, and I was a little worried about the ocean, a little, I'm never quite sure, a little fear is there, I'm not a strong swimmer, and I'm not used to the currents, and then I think about the things at the bottom that I can't see, you know, <laughs> the theme from that movie comes into my mind, dun, dun, you know, the one, right? So, not really great with the swimming, um, but the water was so warm and so inviting and beautiful, and um, I was really focusing on um, using this trip to really watch the mind, to look at the mind, you know, maintain this awareness of what is this mind doing right now, what's happening, and so it's really noticing that the thoughts that were more fearful thoughts were um, almost blocking off the joy of this beautiful ocean, the warm water and the sun and the sky, I can see it my body contracting and my mind contracting um, by the fearful thoughts. And so I kind of just said to myself, you know, you know, the current is moving parallel to the shore, so if you just let yourself float with the current, I don't think you're going to get in trouble here. You know, a little dialogue, like you'll just be parallel to the shore and, and there are a lot of people around. And, fairly shallow, I think it would be okay, so just let go, float, let go, you know, just paddle a little and let go, and so I was able to let the current pull me and relax my body and let go, and it was very sweet, of course, and very lovely, and I'm just moving across the ocean parallel to the beach, and just relaxing, it was very pleasant, and I could feel that moment. Um, and, and many of you have had that moment where you do let go of something. You let go in your body and mind. You just make that decision or, or it, your body mind lets go. You get a moment of grace. One of two happen. Um, but you know that moment where it's like, oh, I'm not going to control it. I'm just going to let it be where it is. And the, I turn my head to look out to the ocean, and swimming next to me is a giant sea turtle oh paddling God. with me. Oh and I thought, um, 
Great medicine. Nature is a great teacher. That was a real teaching moment that stuck in my mind about that moment when we just let go, just release, um, and, and we're there. And we just paddled along. It's a beautiful learning experience. And um, the line that came with me through these 10 days of just being with the mind in this beautiful place is um, you can't hold the ocean in a tin cup. You know, you can't. We, we're always trying to, because of fear and anxiety um, and security and a sense of self, we're always trying to solidify and hold on to something in our environment, to ourselves, to the environment, um, for, for safety, we're trying to control. And it's as if we're trying to keep the beauty of the ocean in a little cup. You know? It's like when we drop that tendency, um, that's where this um, beautiful serenity and peace and awareness can, can really um, emanate from. And um, I've been in touch with a couple of um, Dharma teachers these last couple of months, and two of whom I really like and respect. And they're both teaching classes, six or eight week classes, on um, Vedana in, in um, Buddhism, Buddhist teachings, the feeling tone, which I've talked about here all summer long, Wednesday nights and Sundays, keep coming back to that. And then I realized that, um, that there are um, classes going on um, north of here just on feeling tone, six or eight weeks of that. So I want to go back to that and take you back to that, um, that image of just relaxing <coughs> into the ocean, right? Just releasing into the ocean. It's a soothing image. And um, use that as the theme today. And please forgive me if I babble a bit. <laughs> so Vedana uh, means feeling tone. It doesn't mean your feelings, but the tone of your um, of awareness. Um, so for all of us, when we're aware, when we're awake in our consciousness, um, we're making contact with the six sense doors all the time, right? Seeing, feeling, touch, taste, hearing, and thought. And um, we're extraordinarily sensitive, and we're taking in so much data, but we're, we're not really, according to the Buddha, right? We're not really aware of the impact of all this data. We know what's happening, I and mean, you're, you're seeing me, right? I'm seeing you, we're hearing traffic, we're hearing our thoughts, we're feeling the chair, um, but there's a way in which we're not really, really, really tuned in to that um, phenomenon. And um, it's either coming in as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Either you're tuned out, or it's just okay. Um, most of us are, where bodies are so um, 
we're so overstimulated in our culture that we miss just okay a lot, you know. Um, when I came back from um, the trip and I couldn't really sleep, I turned on TV just for a, mo a couple of moments just to, you know, whatever. And it was a reality show of, um, there are so many of these shows there that you watch people's lives and the, the whole um, basis of that show seems like they want somebody to say something audacious, right? Mm -hmm. Like normal dialogue isn't enough. We're so, um, in this culture, we're overstimulated. Mm -hmm. Things are shouting at us. The sensory experiences are big. So um, one thing with Vedana is to really just um, become aware of just um, okay, just neutral in our lives, of coming back to this baseline, not looking for so much stimulation. But more so, um, the question becomes, how do we react with pleasant? And how do we react with unpleasant? And if you look closely in your life, as I've been looking in mine as a student, uh, it's fascinating to see the game that we're playing here um, through our conditioning. And you have to do this with a lot of compassion because we're layers of conditioning. The one layer is the conditioning for the organism to survive, right? If we don't run from the unpleasant, we may not survive, right? There's just a whole survival strategy biologically on this. And then you've got the conditioning of your family and the conditioning of the culture um, that tells you what pleasant and unpleasant is. And then on top of that, you've got a consumer society that wants you to buy a lot of pleasant, right? And has to convince you that it's pleasant so that you open up your pocketbook. So there's a lot um, putting us to sleep tuning us out to this subtle awareness. Right? And what we begin to see is that um, for some reason, a lot of us want a lot of pleasant all the time. <laughs> and we don't want the unpleasant. And not only that, we sometimes feel entitled to pleasant. It should be pleasant all the time. Uh, and if I were a better person, I could manage to manipulate life to get pleasant all the time. So therefore, I must be inadequate if it's unpleasant. Right? Or somebody else must be. Um, and that we're in a trance to, um, to have life and all our days go pleasantly. Right? That's our desire, is there. And yet, logically, we know that's impossible. But when we're asleep, when we're in this trance, we're caught in it and we expect it. And that's where the suffering is. Yeah? Mm -hmm. That's where the suffering happens. The clinging and the grasping is wanting it to be other than what it is <coughs> and expecting it to all go well. Right? Do you start the day and you, you expect 
it should go well for me. Me. It should go well for me. Every piece of it should go well. And some days do, actually. Um, we've all had those wonderful days. Um, but life is um, like that. It's like trying to hold the ocean in a tin cup. Right? We know it's not going to go well all the time. And that's what the Buddha called delusion, which we fall into. So, um, so just watching this movement, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and seeing what the mind does is really fascinating stuff. Um, and uh, unpleasant is even more interesting than pleasant to me. Uh, because the body, when it doesn't want something, the body-mind, the body really contracts and tightens. Did you notice that? Like the tension is like we're, we're just we're trying to muscle into our no, right? On some level, and it creates so much tension and and suffering. And one of my um, teachers was describing to me a dialogue um, that he had with a student who um, is teaching MBSR mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is, um, you know, a class on mindfulness without the Buddhist philosophy so much. And she's teaching it in Europe at a hospital. And um, she said to him, um, the, when my students come to this class, they want to know if they'll be happier if they're mindful. Does mindfulness bring happiness? And she asked, this teacher, who's really um, a Buddhist scholar and, you know, sat in a monastery for many years, not interested in happiness in the least bit. <laughs> and uh, his answer was, you know, to her very clearly, I absolutely have no interest in happiness or teaching anyone how to be happy. It's not on my agenda, so I can't even answer your question, you know. Um, and I thought about this, the way he answered it. And he said, well, you know, if a student is coming to understand the truth of the way things are, right? And to see, see the way things are clearly through awareness, through knowing the truth, um, some form of happiness can arise, some form of contentment. But it really arises out of wisdom, not out of the desire to be happy. So you see, we bring the desire to be happy to even our meditation practice and our mindfulness practice. Um, it's like we're trying to hold the ocean in a tin cup, right? Happy, happy, I need happy. I need happy to be happy. <laughs> see the problem? Uh, and we got to throw away the need. You know, or just see the need, see the desire that holds this tension. And that's what um, this Vedana practice does, this feeling of watching this, is you can see the desire that holds this tension of needing something to be some way for us to feel okay.
Yeah, sit with that a bit, right? That that's what we're, we're lighting up with our awareness. I had another um, couple of moments uh, that were interesting on this trip. There's um, a volcano in, on Maui. Have you ever been? You've been, isn't it? Yeah. And it's got like a crater. I don't know the science of why the crater's there. They explained it to me. I didn't pay attention to that. Uh, did not. I was on vacation. Right? No science on vacation. So um, it's hot down in the the floor, right? But the ocean floor, you're at sea level, right? And then you go up 10,000 feet to the top, just one drive, 10,000 feet. And, um, and it's cold up there, and you're actually above the clouds. It's really remarkable. Wow. And, uh, and I walked out, um, and you're so far up, so far away from stores and shopping and traffic and people and um, there's just nothing but this moon-like dust, this crater and the sky and clouds. And um, buses were getting out and people were had their cameras and their movie cameras and everybody's clicking and walking, which is lovely, it's great. All I could do, and the air is thin, you know, was sit on the bench by the restroom, <laughs> just really just sit there and sit. And I thought to myself, this must be why um, these monks in Tibet go into caves or they're way up in the mountains, thousands of feet, because at that level, again, nature, the great teacher, my mind could not think. It was completely empty. It was as empty as the emptiness around me, this stillness all around me, this beautiful, wild stillness. And for a couple of seconds there, it was very fragile. Um, there was no wanting. You know, there was no pleasant, there was no unpleasant. There was just nothing because the mind couldn't hold on to it. Um, and there was, and and these place, these states that we have, sometimes we're blessed with them. They really don't have much of a self. The conditions were right, you know. This vastness was there, and all I could do was surrender to it and just be vast with it. And so, we sat up there the whole day. We just sat mm. and just did nothing, you know, just sat with it. Um, and that came and went. That state came and went. Came and went. Came and went. Um, but again, nature being a teacher, again, a beautiful teacher, uh, it's that moment of teaching, of, of dropping and letting go of wanting. And that's where the suffering is, right? That's where the suffering is. That's what the Buddha talked about. Um, and, and just having the experience of the dropping of that and the ease, right? So, um, unfortunately, we could not live at the top of the volcano. There were no hotel rooms. 
we'd have to go to Tibet to a monastery or something like that, right? Um, but it, it brings me back to how do we practice this here down the mountain in the middle of stores and shopping and busyness and intensity and people and all that. What can we bring back to have these moments and to know the truth of the way things are, right? To get that truth. Right? And, and um, we talked a lot here about using the pause in a lot of the classes, right? Of slowing down in life. Mindfulness does require a slowing down, a stopping, and a pausing. Right? Really pausing. And Tarbrock likes to say pause and then pause again. Right? Pause again. Um, and uh, the next thing we could do that I've learned from this nature, this beautiful nature, is we can relax. We could take that moment to drop and see where the tension is and to maybe just release a bit, right? Learning how to soften. Um, it's easy to do in a beautiful ocean or at the top of a, a volcano. Um, much harder to do when there's pressure and things to do and difficult people and work situations and all sorts of tension and difficulty, yeah? So, um, this is where the practice comes in and where the community comes in and why we meet, why we're here every Sunday, right? To remind ourselves about pausing, relax, soften. So how would this work? What would this look like? Um, trying to think of a good example of a moment. Um, I remember sitting um, with my husband on this trip, and um, I and we were really just enjoying again, doing nothing, being in nature, sitting, sipping a cup of coffee, you know, or looking out at the ocean. Just that simplicity that's so lovely that we don't have enough of here. And um, how to use Vedna? I'm going to give you an example. And then I interrupted it. I forgot about this phone call that I had to make, <laughs> a business kind of thing. And I had to do, it was going to take 10 or 15 minutes. And I interrupted this time, this beautiful time. And I knew I had to do it. And so watching with awareness, Vedana, right? Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. I could feel my thoughts about him being unhappy about this intrusion as unpleasant. Unpleasant Vedana. I didn't want to make him unhappy. Um, and I could feel the tension in my body tighten around the next thought, which is I'm not a very caring person, or I'm not being good enough to my partner. Right? The judgment, the harsh judgment that um, I felt as a thought more unpleasant Vedana. Right? I could feel more of that tension coming in. Meanwhile, he has said nothing. <laughs> he was perfectly, perfectly fine with that phone call. I mean, it was perfectly, not that fine, but fine enough, you know? Um, but this is what we do. So if you could see it as unpleasant, right? Then there's that chance to release 
and relax around it. Right? If you can see it as unpleasant, Vedana, and not you, but phenomena happening. This thought process was unpleasant. Right? And then, uh, if I know it is unpleasant, Vedana, then it releases. It, it pulls back. It doesn't have to have a self in it. And when we're working with Vedana this way, and that moment passes, we can see its impermanence. That pleasant and unpleasant comes and goes all the time. It's wildly impermanent. You can't hold on to life experience in a tin cup. It's moving constantly, right? And if we're grasping and holding, right? And in that moment, I had a desire to be a good partner, a perfect partner, which is a sweet desire. There's nothing wrong with that, really, right? A lot of our desires are not wrong in any way. They're just desires. And when we're not aware of them, we're suffering, right? So suffering because I couldn't be that perfect partner in that moment, right? So you could see the suffering in it. And that it doesn't have to have self. It doesn't have to be me, the person who is not maintaining this perfect relationship 100% of the time so that we're happy all the time. All right. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> See what we do? You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.